Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to the CBS Evening News ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Good evening and thank you so much for joining us. We are going to begin with that deadly tornado outbreak in Tennessee. Homes and businesses were blown to pieces by multiple tornadoes, one with winds topping 160 miles an hour. They struck in the dead of the night hours before polls were to open for Super Tuesday voting. There are reports that 21 polling stations were damaged and voters were redirected to other sites. Voting hours were just extended across the state. And tonight, at least 25 people are dead, 160 are injured. The governor has declared a state of emergency. We have teams across the disaster zone. Maria Virel leads off our coverage tonight in Nashville. Maria? Nora, take a look at this popular music venue. The wall, the roof, the stage, it is all gone. This storm left a trail of damage 50 miles long, and we are standing where the brunt of it hit right in downtown Nashville. And if you can still hear me, that is a tornado. Just before 1 a.m., flashes of lightning gave Nashville residents a glimpse of what was about to hit them. Piercing sirens went off with little to no warning, the twister tearing through the heart of Music City. Neighborhoods were shredded, parts of downtown Nashville destroyed. So you went down to the basement to just try and hide. Chris Folsom was in his house just east of downtown in Stanford Estates where the tornado hit. The loud sound starts. It's very fast and very loud. And it starts roaring, roaring, and I'm like, this is, this is real. And I start running downstairs. I hear my, my ears start to pop and the pressure's going away. And I run downstairs. As soon as I get down, crouch down, the roof goes off. Few homes in this neighborhood were spared. Roofs torn off, furniture and debris scattered everywhere, and an entire school destroyed. When the sun came up and, and you could look behind and just see all that's there, what do you do? Well, you say, okay. This is a challenge, right? This is adversity. 
you, you got to be resilient. Back in downtown Nashville, the extent of the damage became clear throughout the day. I spent the day touring and visiting with victims and walking through neighborhoods, and the devastation is heartbreaking. This was actually the site of a Bernie Sanders rally, although he wasn't here last night. Just around the corner, two of the storm victims died. But already we are starting to see the community come together in the recovery efforts. Nora. All right, Maria, thank you. This was the deadliest tornado outbreak in the U.S. since exactly one year ago today when 23 people were killed in Beauregard, Alabama. Most of the fatalities in this latest outbreak were in Putnam County, Tennessee. That's about 70 miles east of Nashville. David Begno is in the hard-hit town of Cookville. There are homes in Putnam County which are barely recognizable. After the tornado blazed a two-mile trail of debris, shattering lives. The tornado come through actually demolished and decimated everything in its path. The scene is surreal. Stunned residents have come out to look at the damage in every direction. At least 19 of the 25 deaths in Tennessee are right here in Putnam County. 65 people have been treated for injuries, and they even set up a special morgue so that people could come and identify their loved ones. Upturned trees are blocking roads. Crews are working diligently to restore power. The survivors here in Middle Tennessee tell us they're used to tornado warnings, alerts on their phone. But this happened in the middle of the night. The couple in this home was sleeping in this bedroom when the roof blew off. We were pretty scared. Emily Hendrickson and her three-year-old son were sleeping when the tornado hit. This is what's left of her bedroom. They moved into this house just a month ago. The headboard's there. We were laying here. This is where all the glass and everything shattered through. And we seen the roof off and everything. Like we, really, we honestly didn't think we were going to make it. Those who died are being identified at a church just about 15 miles up the road. Uh, family members are actually showing up at the church and being presented with photos of the victims. Tonight, as the sun sets here in Putnam County, Nora, crews are still looking for people who may be tracked. Oh. David, thank you. Now to breaking news in the 2020 campaign. Voters in 14 states coast to coast are casting ballots today. All told, more than 1,300 Democratic delegates are at stake. It marks a crucial moment in the campaign with Bernie Sanders and a resurgent Joe Biden fighting to come out on top. And tonight we've learned that a record number of voters made their choices in the last few days. Ed O'Keefe has our report tonight. Senator Bernie Sanders drove to the polls in Vermont today in his own Subaru. We are putting together a multi-generational, multi-racial movement of people who are standing up for justice. Sanders expects a strong showing today, driven in part by Latinos in Texas and California, especially younger first-time voters drawn to the senator's liberal views on immigration and health care. But in a memo obtained by CBS News, the Sanders campaign says it's crystal clear the race is now a choice between him and Joe Biden, as moderate Democrats close ranks behind the former vice president. Three of his vanquished rivals endorsed him Monday night. I'm looking for a president who will draw out what is best in each of us. He can bring our country together and build that coalition of our fired-up Democratic base. But Biden and Sanders have yet to clear the field. I believe in an America where we choose hope over fear. 
Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren is competitive in her home state, while former New York Mayor Michael Bloomberg told CBS News' Nicole Killian he's sticking around even if he doesn't win any states tonight. Do you want a contested convention? Well, I don't think that I can win any other ways, uh, but contested convention is, is a democratic process. The Bloomberg campaign today disputed late reports that the mayor is dropping out. A spokeswoman said, quote, we'll finally get to hear what voters, not pundits, think of our campaign. Nora. All right, Ed, that's right. The voters are making their voices heard, and we've been talking to them. I want to bring in Major Garrett, our chief Washington correspondent. Okay, we know that one of the most important qualities that voters today said was they want was finding a candidate who can beat President Trump. What else did we learn? So we also learned about this question about Obama policy is the baseline for the Democratic Party or something more progressive, more revolutionary. What we learned from our exit polls so far, Nora, 43% of today's primary electorate wants to have policies more resembling those of President Obama. 38% said they want more liberal policies. You can appreciate those two as kind of proxies. The first for Joe Biden, the second for Bernie Sanders. And Ed, isn't that the theme of the night, the fight for the soul of the Democratic Party? It is. That is what this really has become in the last few weeks. Joe Biden has a very effective line that he's been using the last few days. I'm not a socialist. That's a knock on Bernie Sanders. I'm not a plutocrat. That's a knock on Mike Bloomberg. I'm a Democrat. Gets him big crowd cheers. And it's a point that is Apparently working. We're reminding Democrats across the country, look, if you're looking for somebody who can lead this party right down the middle, similar to what Obama used to do, I'm your guy. We know that Bloomberg has the money. Sanders has had the movement. But Joe Biden has had the momentum. The question is, does it matter in these final days? What are the exit polls telling us? Joe Biden has had a cornucopia of positive headlines the last 48 hours. And what we've learned from the exit polls, again so far, 29% of this entire Super Tuesday electorate decided in the last few days. A third of that decided today, Nora, which meant they had plenty of time to absorb all of this earth-shattering information. Klobuchar, Buttigieg, all endorsing Biden, giving him that momentum. 69% decided earlier than the last few days. So, Ed, does that suggest that a lot of people made a late choice? What does that mean? Absolutely. And this is it's, it's larger than we've seen in the past. But for the millions who cast early ballots, they're more likely to have been somebody who supported Bernie Sanders because his supporters have been baked in with him for much longer. Sounds like we got to watch our coverage tonight. I would suggest <laughs> Yes, so much to answer. All right, this programming note, Major Ed and our entire CBS News team will be back with live coverage of Super Tuesday. That's beginning at 8 Eastern, 7 Central Time, right here on CBS. And now to the coronavirus. Today we heard a dire warning. The CDC said what's happening now in the U.S. could turn out to be as serious as what we're seeing overseas. The virus has killed at least nine people in this country. 126 cases are reported. That's across 16 states. That's all new today. And to give an idea of how this can spread, one case in North Carolina involves a person who was exposed while visiting Washington state and then later flew back home. The Seattle area remains a hot spot for the coronavirus. Jonathan Vigliotti reports from Kirkland, Washington tonight. Tonight, officials say that a 54-year-old man who died last Wednesday might have exposed others before they knew he was infected. He lived at the same nursing facility linked to at least five other deaths in Washington state. 
Researchers believe the virus circulated undetected in the Seattle area for weeks. They fear there could be hundreds of undiagnosed cases. I am concerned that this administration doesn't understand the seriousness of this and uh, and cannot downplay this right now. Communities need to be ready. Families need to be ready. On the East Coast in New York, a city of more than 8 million people ramped up its war against the coronavirus. Today, city employees were seen wiping down subway turnstiles, railings, and ticket machines. Today, new details on the second New Yorker to test positive, a man in his 50s who works in a Manhattan law firm. He is the first patient to be seriously ill. Um, and obviously, we're very concerned because of what appears to be previous respiratory condition, uh, which creates more danger. One of his sons attends SAR Academy in the Bronx, which has now been closed. 16 states now report the presence of the virus, which originated in China just a few months ago, but has quickly spread around the globe. Nearly 91,000 worldwide have been infected so far, with more than 3,100 deaths. In Iran, this video appears to show dozens of bodies, believed to be coronavirus victims, scattered in a morgue in Tehran. And in Italy, the death toll has skyrocketed to 79. Back in Washington state, there's concern tonight the outbreak that began in this nursing home has spread to other states. Health officials in North Carolina now reporting their first possible case. They're waiting for the results of one last test. They say the patient not only traveled here to Washington state, but Nora visited this very nursing home before getting sick. Jonathan, thank you. Well, today the Fed jumped in to ease concerns about the economic effects of the coronavirus outbreak. It cut interest rates by half a percentage point, the biggest cut in more than a decade. That didn't help the stock market much. The Dow lost more than 785 points for the day, and that's nearly 3%. Tonight, there is growing concern over reports that thousands of Americans may have been exposed to the coronavirus but have not been tested. That's because of a shortage of those test kits. Well, federal health officials say they are now beginning to ramp up production of those kits. But is it too late? Here's Dr. John LaPook. Test kits are finally getting to state health departments, but the widespread delay may have impacted the nation's ability to detect community spread earlier. At a telebriefing today, Dr. Nancy Messonnier said their priority is getting states the tools they need. Our focus right now is moving forward, and we are very confident in the kits that are being sent out now. CDC and public health labs are increasing capacity from 15,000 now to 75,000 by week's end. The FDA says a private manufacturer is promising a million more kits out soon. We got to look at one institution's efforts to bring its own testing capabilities on site. We're still several weeks away from Dr. That. Jennifer Leiter manages infection prevention for NYU Langone Health. It sounds like we don't have all the tools we need right now. That's correct, and um, we don't want any transmission, so we have to almost default to presuming it could be COVID. Is it your sense right now that there may be a lot more coronavirus circulating than we really know? I think the CDC was under-testing. They didn't have the kits available, and they had pretty strict criteria for who they were going to send testing on. And Dr. LaPook joins us now. So I think people are sort of questioning, you know, if I may have been exposed, what do I do? What do I tell my family members? What advice do you have tonight? 
Well, of course, people should always check with their clinicians. But the last thing anybody wants is somebody coming into an emergency room with COVID-19 and infecting everybody else. So what you're seeing much more now is people talking about things like telemedicine, where people can be safely triaged from a distance. And then if it looks like they might have COVID-19 or active coronavirus, then bring them into the emergency room. But everybody's then prepared so that there's active protocol there to protect everybody. And also the CDC, the website, has all the information, the facts, if you need it. CDC.gov, they really keep it up to date, and it's a terrific website. Dr. LaPook, thank you as always. Appreciate it. Breaking news now. Vice President Mike Pence just announced the U.S. will screen all travelers coming to this country on direct flights from Italy and South Korea. Those are the two hotspots in the coronavirus outbreak. This is all part of a massive effort to keep the virus out of major U.S. airports and this country. Chris Van Cleve reports tonight from Atlanta Hartsfield, which handles up to 300,000 passengers every day. Brianna Terry is on the front lines in the battle to stop the coronavirus at the world's busiest airport. Three shifts of about 250 people each work around the clock, disinfecting more than seven square miles. They're using a new, stronger disinfectant recommended by the CDC and have stepped up their efforts, especially in high-traffic areas like ticket counters, handrails, drinking fountains, and bathrooms. A Georgia man who passed through this airport 10 days ago has now tested positive for the virus and infected his 15-year-old son, possibly the youngest American case so far. Parts of the airport's pandemic plan have now been activated. We don't want to instill panic. We want to make sure that we give them all the information that they can use that can help protect themselves and can help stop the spread of the virus, especially here at the airport. Some flyers are taking extra precautions. Just like everyone else, I'm concerned about the coronavirus and how communicable it is. TSA numbers show passenger traffic is down up to 10 percent as the crisis has grown and airlines have suspended some flights. Airport officials here say it is not necessary to make changes to your travel plans at this point, but we know people are making changes. United Airlines became the latest carrier to waive change fees. Now, the fine print varies by airline, so check with your carrier, but typically they'll offer you credit for a future flight. Nora? All right, Chris, thank you. It was one of the biggest nights of the year, a special school dance for fathers and daughters, but one girl in northwest Arkansas had no date until a hero stepped in. Here's Jamie Yukis. Officer Nick Harvey was nervous. I did not want to be rejected by a second grader. <laughs> what would that have been like? Uh, humiliating. He had volunteered to escort a child in need to the annual daddy-daughter dance. She was sitting at the lunch table, and I walked up, and I'm like, hey. I was like, did you talk to your mom? And she's like, yes. And I'm like... I'm like, so? I said, would you like to be my date for the daddy-daughter dance? And she's like, yes. I'm like, okay. We're good. <laughs> Eight-year-old A.V. Cox's father passed away in January. I've been wanting to go for a long time, but my dad couldn't take me. A.V. picked out the perfect dress. Officer Harvey showed up in his police cruiser. They posed for pictures. Another officer ordered a limo to take them to the dance. What was your favorite part of the night? Getting to dance with them. What's the lesson you learned out of this? Don't take anything for granted. Enjoy your kids. Appreciate their childhood. Appreciate their innocence because they're not going to be young forever. And his gesture may already be having an impact. So you want to be a police officer? Mm-hmm. Why? 
because of Nick. <laughs> Jamie Yukis, CBS News, Van Buren, Arkansas. And that is tonight's CBS Evening News. I'm Nora O'Donnell in Washington. Look forward to seeing you soon with all the results from this night on Super Tuesday. If you like the CBS Evening News, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. Are you ready for an all-new season of Survivor? You better be because Survivor 46 is here and it's 90 minutes of twists and turns you don't want to miss. Better yet, after each episode, there's a brand new episode of On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. Each week, we go behind the scenes of the episode's biggest moments, taking you into the how and the why things happened. And this season, we're very lucky to be joined by an expert, the winner of Survivor 45, Devaya Daris. What is up? I'm thrilled to be joining this team and to be giving you my take on how and the why players made the moves they did what it takes to outwit, outplay, and outlast, and to ask Jeff some questions because even after 26 days out there, there is still a lot for me to uncover. Bring it, D. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast.